We're about to get intimate here today. I'm lighting a candle. That's how intimate we're going to get. <clears throat> Alright. I had already been done for the week doing this. Whoa. Candle's making weird noise. Shout out Clark. Got me this candle for Christmas. Thanks, Clark. <clears throat> yeah, so I'd mentioned earlier in the week... I wanted to do something because it was President's Day. I like President's Day. I like presidents. And I'd already done all the podcasts for the week. And I already scheduled to drop. But I, it's, I decided, whatever. i got to do this. I'm not going to wait till next year. So I'm going to move the Monday one to tomorrow. So that I can drop this one on Monday. So this is going to be my President's Day podcast. <laughs> Ironic. Well, not ironic, because if the gavel is from Hamilton, he was never a president, so maybe not. <clears throat> so, uh, normally this podcast is going to be pretty much skate park related stuff, but it's President's Day. I wanted to share um, my most favorite story in... Uh, Certainly, U.S. history, maybe even world history. It's, I guess it's, it's, I guess it's one narrative across time, and that is um, the relationship between Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Now, I, I took some notes here and did some fact checking to make sure that I'm going to get all this uh, right. <coughs> Sorry, <coughs> excuse me. Because, you know, if I get this podcast out and I'm wrong about something, you could always just go back and be like, well, you're wrong. You're an idiot. But I've already said it. I'm not really that good at stuff. So, <laughs> whatever. So here is, uh, we can call this, Wrench tries to pretend he's a historian. I love Jefferson. I really, really like Thomas Jefferson. When I'm, uh, when I'm bummed. I like watched the Thomas Jefferson, uh, the uh, Ke uh, Ken Burns, Thomas Jefferson documentary. I've probably watched it like, <laughs> like 25 times or something. I love his story. You know, he's probably top five most influential, positively influential people in world history. I went to Monticello, his estate, this past summer. It was absolutely breathtaking. Absolutely breathtaking. It's on this hill. It's right outside of uh, Charlottesville where that crazy um, rally thing was in the news from last year. But it's it's this beautiful estate on top of a mountain. I don't know. I guess it's a mountain. It's just... It's it's exquisite. It's uh, Our country isn't as old as some other countries, so we don't really have like buildings that are like thousands of years old. America just doesn't have that. Uh, Jefferson's estate would be the thing that would be like the Parthenon or the Colosseum or basically anything in the UK now, then, now, but here. You know what I'm saying? It should be preserved, and I'm thankful that it's preserved. So, without further ado, here is my favorite story about presidents. It's the John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, uh relationship. I wouldn't say friendship because it wasn't always a friendship. So 
trying to make it fairly brief. So, <clears throat> they first met, uh, you should know this, especially most of you kids that are watching this are in grades in which they're teaching this. So, they first met uh, in the Continental Congress, 1775, Philadelphia. I'm from Central Jersey, so we did field trips there. I've been to um, Independence Hall, seen the, the Liberty Bell and all that stuff. I, I rode Philly. I, did, I rode a lot of Philly. So it's like I feel like I took it for granted being a kid just riding up and down those old cobble streets, not like really um, breathing in the history that was there. But that's another podcast, I guess. So, yeah, they met at the uh, Continental Congress where, of course, they drafted the Declaration of Independence, which I have right here. If you're on the podcast, you'll see this. This Declaration of Independence will be now in the BFS studio forever. Part of the decor. I'm moving this from my bedroom. And yes, I had a copy of the Declaration of Independence in my bedroom because I care about freedom. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Adams and Jefferson, very different people, very different lives. Jefferson's from Virginia. From uh, It came from wealth. You know, that's... At that point in time, that was the South plantations. Adams was a, he's a, uh, you know, you're, he's a pugnacious uh, New Englander, you know. Jefferson was tall. He was elegant. He tried to speak well, you know. And um, Adams was completely the opposite. You know, he was short. He, um, I believe, uh, when they were having their discussions and debates about the, you know, forming of this great country, he would have, you know, bursts, uh, outbursts of emotion, you know, not quite as, uh, eloquent as Jefferson, but nonetheless, they were two, you know, behemoths of, of, of people that created this country. In fact, Adams personally chose Jefferson to actually draft the Declaration of Independence. He literally said, you know, he's like, you're a Virginian, you must, because Virginia was kind of like where a lot of uh, America was going on at the time. And as you all should know, they both were signers of the uh, Declaration of Independence, in which Jefferson, of which Jefferson drafted and wrote. Basically, after they signed the Declaration, uh, they continued to be very good friends. Uh... So good of friends that um, when uh, Jefferson's wife had died, uh, Adams and uh, Adams and his wife Ab Abigail had were, had consoled him about it. Like they were like friends. Like uh, that point is important to put there because like there's people that are uh, political co companions, political contacts, but to be like there for them in in a moment like that kind of personifies that they were actually truly close friends now when this happened in in the, in the 1870s uh you know the country was all still new and figuring out what we're gonna do we're like we got freedom from britain and then we're like shoot now what so like um jefferson was in france doing uh i guess you'd call it he's being a, a diplomat whatever that means <laughs> and uh, adams was in uh, england and and that's important to bring up because Jefferson was like like he loved the French. He loved France. Like that he was being the way he was, carrying himself a certain way, like France is kinda I guess similar. I've never been there. 
If you have, let me know how France is. <laughs> and that's really important, imp really important, really, really important to bring up because um, Jefferson was borderline obsessed with French. Oh, God. Again, I didn't turn my phone on silent. Jesus Christ. Sorry. He was like obsessed with the French. He was, and and you know, around this time, the French Revolution, there was the murmurs of the, murmurs is that the word? I guess you say the murmurs, of the French re Revolution coming along, and of that was what, what you would call Enlightenment values and uh, Enlightenment ideas, which which had ch really ch was like a whole new thing. Because prior to Enlightenment values, it was like religion, and then. Enlightenment values a little more, um, a little more secular. Uh, still an emphasis on a higher being, but not uh, so specific. In fact, I think Enlightenment values stress the importance of a higher being, just not a specific higher being. Maybe uh, this is, I didn't really research that for this, so I take that for what it is. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, the relevance of that. Why? Why it's so. Jefferson's obsession with the French and the Enlightenment values is is massive. Like it's so much bigger than you could even comprehend. Because going back to this Declaration of Independence, we, you have the famous words: "Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness." That's that didn't exist before then, and in fact, to this day, we're the only country that has the word. The, the H word in our a founding document, a constitution or whatever, the happiness. The only other country that actually has it is, um, I believe, Japan. I think because after Nagasaki and all that stuff, MacArthur basically was like, here's your new constitution, Japan. And it was like his take on an American one, something like that. Again, didn't research that. That's one of those things that's kind of floating around in my head. I've heard somewhere. But yeah, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is the thing that made America, America. That's that's dope. Like that's the government saying, "Oh, this is what this is what you deserve. This is your inalienable life right. Is you have a life. You deserve, you know, your personal liberties, and you deserve the pursuit of happiness. And and the government in which the United States is going to give you allows you to do those things, which is pretty uh, pretty amazing because especially with the the youth's proclivity for socialist ideas now is kind of kind of intersects with that idea of the pursuit of happiness because in socialism it's it's like the state is the most important thing maybe that's more in communist then but whatever again didn't research that moving along by now you probably all stopped listening because you're like oh it's history so it's like we're at school but wrench is telling it that's it so it's cool right <sighs> whatever anyway life liberty and the pursuit of happiness so this is really important because this also points out uh, another fundamental disagreement that Jefferson and Adams had. And this and this is where they, they start to split from being close friends. Adams was kind of more in the line of having a strong central government and in line with the Enlightenment values. Uh, you know, Jefferson, he believed in a smaller government, uh, more states' rights. Um, he actually believed that freedom should be constantly fought and reassessed and there's this great quote from him I, I wrote it down because i thought it was really pertinent here the quote is the tree of liberty may be refreshed from time to time i'm sorry 
It's a must, not may. Totally changes the quote. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. You know, saying that both sides on either side of that scale have to come together and kind of redefine what it is to have that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And um, that kind of shows that even in his belief of what freedom was, he was a little skeptical on what it is, what it may be, how there's an evolution toward it. And that totally makes sense because skepticism is one of the uh, key tenets in um, Enlightenment uh, thinking. It's kind of like how Enlightenment thinking invent kind of laid the ground for modern science, that there's even hypothesis, you have to be skeptical of the results. So, you know, Jefferson's saying, this is freedom now, but might not be freedom later. Adams is being like, well, maybe the government should be more control. So then, moving along, Adams, uh, Adams was the vice president to Washington, which you should know your boy Washington, first president of the United States, commander-in-chief through the uh, Revolutionary War. It's amazing. It's a great dude. <laughs> so... And then below him, uh, Jefferson was the Secretary of State underneath Adams. And uh, so under Washington's um, administration, they were taking a neutral stance on the French Revolution. And, you know, Jefferson, obviously, he loved the French, so he was like, he wanted to support the French Revolution. And, you know, things were getting kind of ugly over there in France. And it kind of looks like uh, Jefferson was probably wrong on that to some degree, but nonetheless, he talked, they didn't listen, he was frustrated, he was like, you know what, I'm out, he leaves, he's done, he didn't finish out that, uh, he resigned in, uh, was it, uh, 1793, he swore off politics, he's like, I'm done, I, he's it, he's like, he's like, I quit scootering, I'm done with it, dude, <laughs> but then, but then, a year later, epic, George Washington he goes you know what I'm stepping down and that's one of the things that made Washington such a great leader is, is that he stepped down he set a president the president set a precedent, which was uh, attrition held strongly all the way through until FDR and then even after FDR's terms immediately the Congress was like nah nah dude no one's doing that again two terms you're done your boy's done only two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, after uh, the badass of all badasses, Washington was like, I'm done. Jefferson's like, all right, I'm back in. Jump back into the game. Then Jefferson and Adams faced each other in the election in uh, <clears throat> is this 1796. <laughs> That's a weird one there. That was the first election ever. Like, Washington pretty much just got it. So then the next election is, like, it's new to the the political parties at the time. It's new to the people. It's just like, what? So we didn't, there was really no standard way of doing it. So it just kind of happened. Adams narrowly won. <clears throat> and the rules at that time was uh, if you lost, you were then the vice president. So then they had this not-so-great, uh, each of them ran campaigns that kind of slandered the other guy a little bit so they they kind of weren't friends anymore not 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 so close they're like dude bro so then adams being you know that emotional new englander <clears throat> he was just like i'm not even gonna listen to you 
like pretty much that's kind of how it went. <laughs> like he just ignored him. One of the one of the problems there is like they were opposing political parties, so they ran against each other. But then when the vice president, the guy loses the vice president, it's like well now you're of conflicting uh, beliefs in different parties. Uh, so that was probably not a great idea. And it makes sense why that uh, idea kind of got phased out. <laughs> right? Can you imagine that? That would be freaking awful. So, um, obviously there was tension there in Washington's cabinet. Jefferson was all annoyed. Dude, you're not listening to me. You're not, dude, you know, I'm right. And then it's like, turned out he was wrong. Then, then under Adams, he just like ignored him entirely. In fact, I think Adams pretty much ignored everyone in the cabinet and just kind of did whatever whatever his wife told him to do. <laughs> anyway, boom, 1800, rematch, ding, ding. Now Jefferson's out for blood. He's like, nah, dude, if it's like, it's like playing, playing a game of bike or skate or scoot with that guy who's just like, like right out the gate, he's like, yo, switch tray flip. And you're like, God damn it. You know, the kid you play, you, you play, um, you play scoot with or bike or skate with, and they immediately do the trick they know you can't do. And you're like, come on, we're trying to have fun. And he's like, no, I'm trying to win. So during during that, that was like the nastiest election in U.S. history. Uh, it kind of set the stage for politics to be kind of a, a harsh, harsh game. You know, they each were basically running articles slandering the other guy. Uh, you know, I think one of them started their own newspaper for the sole purpose of doing it. The other guy hired a uh, uh, journalist to do it. it it literally like straight up hashtag fake news started there blame jefferson fake news there's like some really terrible things they were saying about each other just not even politics just total total not nice stuff but then jefferson won and uh adams was butthurt man he was so butthurt he uh he like just left washington on the uh the, the uh inauguration for jefferson he just left town. I'm out. Didn't stay there for the ceremony. Just left town early in the morning. And they, uh, you know, they went from being friends to not so friends to really not liking each other. And then this happens. And literally, they didn't talk for 12 years. Not a single word. Talking was a little harder then. You know, you had to, like, take a piece of paper and, like, a pen that was, like, a feather or something. And, like, dip it in ink. And, like, I don't know. Anyway, moving along. Adams was so uh, upset here that you know, he cut off. Jefferson, I'm not talking anymore. He um, started writing and he uh, published uh, an article where he uh, basically attempted to out Jefferson for having the continued affair with Sally Hemings. Um, I'm not going to get into Sally Hemings now, but like you should have an idea who that is historically. It gets brought up still to this day so they're just it they're pissed jefferson does his thing he's the president his first term's okay his second term's not so great he had a trade embargo because there's wars in europe the trade embargo really screwed up the economy second term wasn't so nice but even if the people didn't like his term the people you know, america they loved they loved jefferson freaking Thomas Jefferson of course you like them they're like dude you're on the nickel and then they're like what's a nickel I don't know if they had nickels then so anyway they don't talk for 12 years 
this is where the story really comes together because right now I'm pretty much just rambling. But yeah, so the story comes together. 1809, um, this guy, Benjamin Russ, he was also a signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was a mutual friend of the two parties. And he was urging uh, both Jefferson and Adams separately, writing both of them, saying, you guys, you guys should talk. I know you had that game of scoot, skate, bike there. You had that game of bike. And it, it hurt. You lost. But like, come on. Dude, you guys are like, you guys are the guys. Like, you wrote the document. You made it. You should be friends. And uh, Adams actually reached out first. Um, There's a good quote in there. Let me see where it's. I got this one. Rush. uh, Rush said to Adams. uh, He, like, basically said, was basically in a letter kind of fantasizing to Adams about how these two behemoth figures need to uh, reunite, you know, and they should, uh, they should sink into their, gr- this is the quote now, they should uh, sink into the grave nearly at the same time, full of years of, full of years and rich in gratitude and praises of their country. So he's saying, you guys should live long. You should talk about this country that you guys were played a key role in creating because they did it right so um adams actually broke the silence and he wrote to jefferson i mean it took three from that letter in 1809 it took three more years before he wrote the letter but he wrote the letter he wrote to jefferson and um they wrote for about a year started exchanging letters uh and uh, you know, just to have to kind of, you know, you get in a fight with someone, and then you, you kind of like, oh, you like see him at the skate park, you're like, so, like, you're like, yeah, so, you know. But the other times at the skate park, you left when they they came in this side of the park, and you went out that side, or like they rode the mini ramp, but you stayed in the street section, you know. And eventually, you're one of, one of you guys is like, so, or like you land a trick, and they're like, they smack the board a little bit, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe he's not so bad, you know. They had to go through that period of warm up, warming up to each other, and then. Uh, <clears throat> Again, Adams was the one pushing for the friendship to get back to where it needs to be. And uh, in 1813, he said, uh, quote, You and I ought not to die before we have explained ourselves to each other. That's really wonderful right there. Over the next uh, 14 years, they actually exchanged 158 letters. That was probably like the gnarliest Snapchat streak they had going in like eight, in the in the late like the 1820s. They're like, dude, killing the streak, killing the streak. Except for like it wasn't a Snapchat; it was a letter, and it probably took like <laughs> two weeks to get down. They're going from uh, Massachusetts down into Virginia, but dude, killer streak. You get, those guys killed it. Um, so as they they began to age, they would write back and forth, and and and. They actually became really good friends again, which is just, you know, it's a beautiful thing, you know. These two guys that made the country hated each other. They're friends again. And they talked about the country. They formulated and, and you know, uh, defended their stances and compared where they stood on some of those things in their in their twilight years versus in their youth and, the, and you know, those early days of the country and the, and the pre-country. Uh, here's another really great quote from this whole thing. Jefferson writes to um, Adams, 1823, crippling wrists and fingers make writing slow and laborious, but while writing to you, I lose the sense of these things. 
in the recollections of ancient times when youth and health made happiness out of everything. That's beautiful. Jefferson, Jefferson had, had a great way with words. Really well. That's just beautiful. Really is. I wet my whistle here real quick. Now you know why I lit the candle. That's a really intimate quote, you know? They went from calling each other the worst things imaginable to becoming great friends again. It's really beautiful. And uh, this is... This is where it really pulls together why the story is really so incredible. Uh, so in the summer there, 1826, Jefferson was suffering from uh, an intestinal disorder. And uh, he began to fall in and out of consciousness. On um, That would be July 3rd. While he was ill... Um, Famously, uh, he would he would wake from his, you know, he's all sick. He's laying there. He's, he's dying. He he knows he's dying. And he'd wake up and he'd he'd be like, "Is it the fourth? And they'd say, "No, Mister Jefferson, it's not the fourth. Like he wanted to get to the fourth. You know. And then a little while later, "Is it the fourth? No, Mister Jefferson, it's not the fourth. And then eventually, yes, Mister Jefferson, it's uh. It's the fourth. And then, supposedly, he kind of eased a little tension. And then he slowly faded away. And then, about 12 hours later, around noon that day, uh, he died. At the same time, roughly around the same time, midday, Adams collapses uh, while sitting in his reading chair. really eerie like around the same time of day when Jefferson Nash actually dies Adams like collapses out of his chair then he was a uh, similar situation he was in and out of consciousness consciousness for a few hours and famously uh, his last with his last breath he said uh, Jefferson lives when in fact Jefferson actually had died uh, five hours earlier the beauty, the the real, unbelievable, surreal thing about that is that that was 50 years to the day of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And I used to think um, that they were the last surviving uh, signers, which I turned out it turned out not to be true. There was one other signer that outlived them, uh, Charles Carroll from Maryland. But who's that guy, right? We could just forget that and say that they were the last two guys. But either way, um, to come together from different walks of life, sign that Declaration of Independence, uh, both serve under Washington, uh, have that, uh, you know, the, Jeff the Adams presidency, Jefferson leaves politics, swears it off, comes back, wins. Uh, they hate each other. They slander each other. They, they, they become friends again later in life. Um, I think in total they they wrote over like maybe like somewhere three hundred something letters to each other. That's incredible. And uh, and they died on the same day, fifty years from the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Like that's number two and three. It, it it's Washington, Adams, Jefferson. Then you got Hamilton's up there. But like 
those two are the dudes, dude. That's crazy. A lot of people don't know this story. The story is absolutely mind-blowingly incredible. It's hard to believe. I swear I've like Googled it multiple times. I'll tell people and they're like, that's not real. And I'm like, I know it's real. And then sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm crazy. Now look it up. It's real. It happened. It's crazy. It's so crazy. I don't know why they don't teach they don't like teach that in school or or it's not like a common American thing. That is such, such a such a beautiful story. You can't beat that. Oh, wow. That's great. Wow. So, that's it for today. Let me know how I did with that. That was kind of a really dense podcast. This one's probably going to be a little bit long. Uh, like I said in the beginning, I'm not normally going to do stuff like this in this podcast, but it was President's Day. Normally, I would keep longer format podcasts on my se- se- second platform, uh, Wrench Life, which hasn't had one out yet, but it will uh, later this coming week. And I will be uh, moving. Uh, I'll be moving Monday's podcast. Uh, I'll probably just release it tonight or it's Monday. I might just do two podcasts tomorrow on Monday or Monday morning, Monday afternoon to get these two out of the way. Uh, then there you go. Declaration of Independence. It's going up in the studio. And of course, you can't have the Declaration of Independence without the U.S. Constitution there. We the people, the United States of America, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure you all know what that, that you guys all know about heart, right? Right? Cool. Those are going to go up in the studio as we continue to make the studio all cool and dope and awesome. I'm actually also reading a book about Lincoln right now called um, A Fiery Trial by, I think it's Eric Foner. It was recommended uh, through a podcast I listened to with Henry Rollins from Black Flag, among other things. That book is specifically about Adam's relationship to slavery. Just how his opinions changed, what he said in what speeches, the evolution of his uh, theory, what he said, what he didn't say. Uh, That's been a dense read. But I'm getting through that. I like presidents, I like American history. So let me know what you think about American history and U.S. presidents. And um, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this really uh, enlightened, get it, enlightened, because the enlightenment thing earlier. I hope this enlightened you a little bit to U.S. history. Um, I love history. And uh, maybe some of you kids listening to this can share this with your teacher. And your teachers will be like, that's not true. And you'll be like, yeah, bitch, it's true. Wrench told me. And like, who's Wrench? And then you're like, pff, pff, who's Wrench? Are you kidding me? Who's Wrench? And then they're going to Google it. Um, hopefully their iPhones because if they have Androids and they, I don't know, maybe teachers in the city school districts have Androids. I don't know. Anyway, they're they're gonna Google it and they're gonna be like, "Wow, that's true." And they're like, "How did you know that?" And you're like, "Bitch, I told you. Wrench told me. My boy Wrench. <sighs> teachers, am I right?" So there you go. That's it. That's it. Shout out, um, Joe, Joe C, Jersey Joe. If you if you listen to this one. Shoot me a text. Let me know uh, how you thought about my history lesson. Joe is one of my uh, friends growing up with him. We grew up together, and uh, he's a history teacher now. So that's like 
he's gotta let me know how I did. You guys can let me know how I did. Also, if I'm wrong, feel free to let me know I was wrong, because I'm about being better, about making you better, making us better, together, together. So, with that, I'll blow out the candle, and this podcast is over.